Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Welcome back. Welcome back, Frank, Kim, Tish. Well done. Well done. You traveled well, and we do look forward to hearing more about that trip. It's amazing to hear all of that's going on around the world. Uh, thank you for what Sarah shared during worship. It is amazing to hear uh, worship from other places. Just to know that, I know sometimes, you know, it's, it's obvious, like we're, we're a part of a body that stretches across the world. You know, we, we know that. Uh, but oftentimes, just because of, of human tendency, we kind of think that we're the thing or that we're in a bubble or we're all that is because of what's going on that's, that's very much involved in our lives. And so it's, it's natural to just be aware of what's going on here. But when we have our perspective broad and we recognize that, man, what we're facing here in our own personal life, every believer around the world is facing. And that we're connected with folks that are experiencing things of the, of the Lord that are astonishing, that would encourage us to hear about. And also that we are linked up with brothers and sisters that are in far more difficult situations that we are in. And so that we can always link up with them too in prayer and encourage them where they are. And so we are part of a much bigger story than sometimes our immediate context will give rise to. And so thank you for sharing these things. Thank you for being able to, uh, you know, to, to risk those things, uh, Donna Hughes and Young. So thank you guys. We love you very much. Uh, this week is a bit of a follow-up to last week's message. Uh, last week was a message on prophecy where there was a prophecy given that our leadership had uh, prayed about and invested in and, uh, and we really felt like it was for the body at large. And a lot of you, not just last week, but in this last week, have been giving us responses, some of them on Slack and some of them personal. And I love that. Uh, I'm grateful to you all for being willing to uh, sit with the Lord and then uh, in faith tell us what it is that you see the Lord doing through this word and also through the word that he's giving to you. We do believe that as a body, as a, as a church, we are a revelatory body, uh, meaning that we help reveal God and his plans to the world. And I know that we do that through believing in Jesus and following his word and revealing his character. We also do that through revealing his voice to the world. And so we who have ears to hear, we also have a tongue to speak. And your tongue matters. Your voice matters. Your voice helps reveal the Lord and his plans today. And so we are a congregation that is learning how to sharpen our discernment together and grow up in the great confidence that we are hearing the Lord and we can take steps in power and in confidence and in unison into the plans that God has for us as a body. Our nation is very individualistic. Uh, maybe more so than any nation in history. We are a nation that has declared itself through independence. And we have taken that all the way through to the very smallest form, meaning ourselves. And that is not the community of the Bible, of Scripture, of Jesus. We are very much interdependent upon one another. And we find that as we are growing in the word together as priests, like we do with communion together, then we will also become more and more like Jesus together. Uh, you may have heard the scripture that says that we have the mind of Christ. That, that is not an individual. You know, you and I have individually the mind of Christ. Together, corporately, we have the mind of Christ. And so we know in part and we prophesy in part, but together in the perfect, when Jesus is here and comes, then we can have more whole. <laughs> we, can, we can be more like Jesus. We can have more of him revealed. And so part of the beauty then, therefore, of learning how to discern words like that together is that we grow in unity together. 
We grow in communion together. We grow in closeness together. We get to know one another's lives together. And that's part of what I want to uh, segue into for a follow-up, and that is going to be in how to process prophecy. And one of the big keys of doing that is that we don't do it alone, uh, as we are you know, learning about through the scriptures. Uh, we do so uh, with a congregation. And in order to do that, we must have honesty, sincerity. Uh, we must have the ability to be vulnerable with one another. And that starts with me and all of our leadership. Uh, to be able to speak sincerely and clearly is part of the call that we have as Christians. And in a world where AI is quickly answering questions about the Bible that you can Google now and find out that are way off, <laughs> you all, as a discerning body, are going to have a voice that's very important to people. And so your ability to speak sincerely, honestly, clearly, hiding nothing is going to be such a gift to give to the world around us. And so in these days, I would encourage you to ask for the fear of the Lord and ask to tremble before God's name. Years ago, Elizabeth and I, we were living in a house uh, right across the street from where we currently live. And if you all have been to our house at our social and s'mores nights, uh, you know where we live, and it's a beautiful home. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing house. It's way bigger and way better than we would have ever hoped or imagined. We honestly never asked for that in the best sense. Um, we were living across the street from where we currently are, and the neighbors who lived in our current house had come to Elizabeth and said, hey, do you know anyone that has a large family that might be interested in buying that house? And Elizabeth said, yeah, and began to give them some names, which they then began to follow up with. But when he asked that, the owner asked Elizabeth that, uh, she heard the Lord say, I want you to ask for that house. <laughs> and she was like, no. <laughs> like, she was hesitant. Uh, we loved the home we were in. Uh, it was a great house for us. Uh, we knew that it was, it was right in with what you know, we could you know, afford and, and take care of, that kind of stuff. And so the idea of going to something bigger was, you know, was, was a, you know, a scary prospect. And she waited for a couple weeks, and then she shared that with me. And so she sat on it, she waited, she wanted to make sure that that was of the Lord, so she had peace about it, and then she shared that with me and submitted it to me. And as soon as she said it to me, my, my soul was going, no, you know, not a good idea. Uh, but my spirit immediately was like, yes, you do want this. And <laughs> I was like, no. And so I was beginning to understand more uh, that sometimes uh, our, our mind, you know, and some of our feelings aren't always exactly aligned with the spirit of God. And so I sat on it and we paid on it for a couple of weeks. We went to a conference here in town where we were, you know, in a, a community of believers from our old church, Forest Hill. And uh, at the conference, uh, we went and had a lunch date, you know, which was a precious thing for us in the midst of busy lives to have a date together. It's just astonishing. We just kind of stare at each other. And, and after we kind of like stop kind of like, you know, like waking up a little bit, it's like, oh yeah, that's who you are. You're, you're my wife, you know? And, and anyway, and so we were praying about, uh, you know, what the Lord had found in our heart. And it's a five-bedroom home, and there was a new addition that we called a room for Elisha from that scripture verse in, uh, I think it's 1 Kings 19, where Elisha is with a Shunammite woman, and, he, and she builds on an addition to her house to house this place for Elisha the prophet. And so we were saying it's a five-bedroom home with a, a room for Elisha. Lord, if you want us to do it, like just make it clear, and, and we'll do it. 
we had we kind of postured our heart like, Lord, whatever it takes, we just want to obey you. And that posturing, the Lord can always breathe upon that. That's, that's really important to be open to whatever he has to say to you. And so go back to the conference, and the, the worship set ends, and the pastor of the church uh, stands up. And he says, and he's got this big booming voice. Uh, he says, during the worship, the Lord said to me that there's some people here that are looking for a new home. In particular, a five-bedroom home with the room for Elisha. If that's you, stand up. <laughs> and so Elizabeth and I, we were there, we just looked at each other, like, that's it. You know, that the Lord has said. And so we stood up, and the friends that we had had there, some of them are actually here uh, from Fort Still, uh, they had, uh, they just looked at us like, you know, what are you doing? And and so, uh, so we went home, and I told the guy across the street what had happened, and he said, well, that's great, that's great. Well, he lived and, and worked out of his house, and, uh, and they really loved the house. And so they were going to try to make it work for a little bit longer. So, you know what, I appreciate that. We're just going to try to make it work here. And we're like, hey, that's great. And weeks began to pass, and I began to wonder, well, maybe it wasn't for that home. Maybe it's for the Lord just kind of like loosening us up in the saddle because he's got another place for us. And so I went to a prayer meeting of about 35, 40 guys, and we get together every week, every couple weeks. And I said, hey guys, I've got a prayer request for you. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Will you hear the Lord right now and tell me what he says? And so they all started praying in worship. And one guy says, uh, I hear the Lord say that he's got a house prepared for you. Uh, and, and it's going to be bigger than the one you're in. And I hear that it's nearby. <laughs> And another guy comes up to me and says, the Lord's telling me that it's across the street. <laughs> so I said, all right. And we were with the girls at the time. Uh, Catherine Voss has a book about, it's a, a children's book through the Bible. And, uh, and we were going through every single you know, day, there's a different scripture verse. And we get to the, the, the scripture verse of the story of the Shunammite woman building a room for Elisha. And we told the girls, hey, this is the, the scripture verse that we've been telling you about. We've been including them in the prayer the whole time about the house. This is it. We got done reading that story. And 10 minutes later, the neighbor across the street called and said, we can't make it work here if you want the house. It's yours. And it's like, okay. <laughs> so we just went across the street. We looked at it for the first time. And we're like, Lord, you know, thanks. I mean, like we, we, we said yes. And uh, we hardly looked at the house because you know, we didn't, we're not going to say no to that. Um, and so we moved in, and, and we've been so thankful. It's been a great house, and it's also been incredibly challenging for us. For a lot of reasons, you know, we, for a lot of reasons I can't get into, I won't get into, it's just been really difficult to us, uh, for us as well. And it showed us that when the Lord is telling us to do certain things, our own imaginations and the desires of what we think it should be like can sometimes get in the way of reality. You know, because the Lord's plans for our lives and the directions that he has for us uh, are for his, and it's always for our best, but it's also always to mature us into Jesus Christ. The purpose of your life and my life, the only destiny that is guaranteed from the scriptures is that you will be conformed to the image of Jesus. He's not promising you worldly success, uh, although he's not saying that, hey, you know, he wants you to be poor, uh, but he's also not saying that your life is going to be easy. Uh, some people have lives that seemingly are easier than others, but you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. The point of all those things is that in life, our call is to become like Jesus. And everything that Jesus experienced or suffered is the same word in the, in the scriptures. That's, that's your invitation to life. Your life 
is found in getting to know Jesus in all the ways that Jesus himself has lived life. And so walking in his footsteps through all that he went through, saw all the wonderful successes and all the difficult betrayals and the sufferings that he walked through, all the wonders of seeing the miraculous move and the demons cast out, all the wonders of seeing creation unfold before his eyes, you have those same gifts within you, and you will see these things as you pursue him and experience these things. And in, in the end of it, your call is to, like him, yield your life, and in love, lay it down everything every single day. Take up your cross daily, as he would say it. Surrender your life, and you will find your life, and you will find love. And that's the point, not only of the word of God, but also a prophecy itself. And so part of the way that we process prophecy is by understanding that it's to help conform you to the image of Jesus. I spoke last week a bit, and just to reemphasize that the word of God, which proceeds out of his mouth and formed all this creation around you, continues to unfold, continues to grow from glory to glory, and you are part of that word. It's, it's a word like the hum of electricity in the lights around you, but it's different than that because it's creating the electricity in the light. Uh, it's like the gravity that holds us to the ground. Uh, that is the, the word of God. It's animating. It's energizing. It helps us to become alive and full, and that word continues to speak. And so the word of God forms us to become alive in our material bodies and then also alive into Jesus. As we read scripture, if we read scripture apart from the spirit of God, then we will not be conformed to the image of God. Let me repeat that, because that's important for all of us. And that's something that has a kind of as a, a frame that we want to have always to put upon the building of our church, is that scripture apart from the spirit of God cannot conform you into the image of God. Because the, the word of God is coming from the voice of God. And his voice is not contained in Scripture. His voice can be revealed through Scripture as we have intimacy with him. And so whenever I sit down to read Scripture, I'm not reading Scripture to get to know Scripture. I'm getting to know the Father through Scripture. I'm getting to know Jesus through Scripture. And so I'll sit down, and before I even begin to read it, I will still my heart. I will become aware of his love for me. I will become aware of his presence for me. And I will ask and I want him to help me through scripture to get to know him intimately. And then I begin to read scripture. And I begin to, to read it believing that it's his understanding that's given me understanding. Because that's what Jesus said. When Peter said, Jesus, you are the Christ. Jesus said that, blessed are you, Peter, for this has not been revealed to you by your own thinking, I'm paraphrasing, but it's been revealed to you by my Father who is in heaven. And so with the understanding that anything that I know and come to know about God is because he has opened that up to me. Mm -hmm. Only those who Jesus, or the Father reveals himself to, get to know who he is. And so we approach scripture humbly and not assuming that I can figure out God and all that kind of stuff. That's why... You have to read the Bible on its own terms, meaning that you have to read it as a work of many books that is God's revelation to man. You can't read it as an interesting historical sacred text. You have to read it as God speaking to us through the text. If you don't do that, then you'll be divorced from the point of it, which is the author. In the same kind of way, as you begin to process prophecy, 
You sit with a prophecy, like we did last week a bit, and it has begun to this last week. You begin to sit with it, and first, before you begin to process it, you wait upon the Lord. You let him enjoy you, and you enjoy him. You become aware of his love in your life and his presence within you. And then within that, you say, Lord, there's a word that I've heard spoken. And I ask that you would help give clarity to it. And so again, as we understand that the the word of God is meant to build us up into Jesus, so also prophecy does that. And as we wait with the Lord in love, we get built up into Jesus through that word of God, through that prophecy. And so there is a little bit of a nuance between scripture, though, and prophecy. Scripture helps point us true north. It, it helps to us to see that, that God is the God, Jesus Christ is the King of kings, and he is the way, the truth, and the only way and truth and life to God. That's what scripture plainly shows. And so, you know, it's like a highway that is true north. Scripture's that way, and it has guardrails. Scripture helps you to see what the guardrails of that way are. And so you know that when you're reading scripture, it's reliable and it's faithful to reveal who God is. Prophecy is what helps you to know if you're on that path well. You know, it helps you to know if maybe you've gotten off the path. Prophecy also helps you to know where you are on the path. Because sometimes true north goes right past a swamp or a mountain or a ravine or a wilderness. And prophecy helps you to know, hey, you're in a wilderness right now. Or hey, there's a swamp coming up. I want you to go a little bit to the left so you can avoid it. Even though it's on the way, God can work all things together for good. Nonetheless, there are sometimes that if you listen well, you can avoid certain pitfalls if you have prophecy around you. Prophecy is like that thing that helps you also get unstuck. Sometimes you don't know what's going on. You're, you're within God's will. There's no sin in life. You're, you're, Lord, I don't know what's going on. And you just need someone to help orient you onto the map of God's directional path. And so prophecy helps you to find out where that is. And so in those ways, it can be predicted to say, hey, there's something coming up here that you need to be aware of. And that was in part of what he was revealing last week. Hey, there's a, there's a shaking coming to our nation. Uh, but the exclusivity of Christ is what will keep us on the mountain of God. And that also then provides us with wisdom for the days ahead. And again, there's nothing new in that revelation. Scripture plainly shows that Jesus is to be the exclusive adoration of our own heart. The one that we adore, the one that we give all allegiance to. Uh, it's imperative for these days to find all areas of your life and make them exclusive to the Lord. To remain unshakable for what lies ahead. So with, uh, with processing prophecy, we keep in mind that Scripture and the Word of God conforms us to the image of God. We keep in mind that to approach Scripture and prophecy well, we have to sit within the abiding presence of God and wait upon Him. And we also begin to know that its purpose is to guide us within the will of God as laid out already through Scripture. Uh, I want to show a fun little example from Scripture of, uh, of how prophecy can, uh, can in very real time affect us, uh, very differently than maybe even sometimes Jesus himself is wanting it to be influenced. And this is going to help us to get into maybe the third way of processing prophecy, which is through our own emotions, beliefs, and mind, as we are learning how to conform those to the image of Jesus. So if you want to look to John chapter 21, 
This is the last chapter of John's gospel. Jesus has been resurrected, and he's hanging out with his buddies, his best friends, his disciples. And he's revealing to them, uh, you know, all that's ahead. Uh, you know, he, he's giving them more words of encouragement and giving them some direction. And he's restoring Peter. Uh, the first half of chapter 21 is he's restoring Peter again, who had betrayed him. And then in verse 18, Jesus prophesies to Peter. And it's one of my favorite prophecies in all of Scripture because of the way that Peter reacts. And so Jesus tells Peter in verse 18, I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to Peter to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. And Jesus then told him, follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple whom Jesus loved, who was John the Revelator, John the Apostle, and the one who had leaned over to Jesus during the supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, well, what about him, Lord? It's one of my favorite reactions to prophecy. <laughs> and so if you're anything like me, you, you yearn and you seek after prophecy. I, 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 I desire and I long for prophecy. I, I seek it after and I pray for it often. I pray for you all often. Um, to receive prophecy, I hold it seriously. Like I, I want to hear what he has to say. And sometimes in our own mind, in our own imaginations, our own dreams, we might think that when someone prophesies, they'll give us that one word that we need, and our life is going to change. It's going to be better. We're going to receive all that we've ever wanted in life. Everything is going to be simple, clear, and easy. We've got smooth sailing ahead. That's, that's what, anyway, I've thought about it before. Because I'm like, well, what if you just would prophesy me that? I can just do that one thing, and then I'll just know your glory. I'll have it all. And there's a part of me that still believes that. <laughs> so that's, a, that's not easy to let go of. Peter here, he hears Jesus himself, the Lord of all, who's been resurrected, the King of Kings, you know, who's just restored him. You know, Peter, in his ultimate place of betrayal, has had the Lord of all speaking in that place. I, I love you. Go feed my sheep. And I'm going to prophesy to you, Peter. And he gives Peter this word, and Peter looks at Jesus, and he thinks about it for a second, and he looks over at John the Apostle, he's like, well, well what about that guy? You know? <laughs> Jesus is like, hey, you're going to die because you're going to go to some place that you don't want to have to go, and he was prophesying that Peter would be crucified, and later on he'd be crucified upside down, and so he was helping prepare Peter, Peter, you know, you, you know and then, so think about this, like, Jesus is full of love, he's preparing Peter for what lies ahead. And so he's lovingly reaching into his soul, in a sense, and saying, brother, you know, before he kind of went and did what you wanted to, and I can see Peter saying, yeah, that was me, I was Peter, you know, I did what I wanted to do, you know, I mean, like, that's, that's the strong, impetuous, you know, Peter going after things, and he's, well, at the end of your life, you're not even going to dress yourself, you know, you're going to be bound, and you're going to be taking place you don't want to go, <laughs> so you can, you can just hear Peter's countenance just drop, like, <laughs> Wait a second, you know, like, you just didn't restore me. You just didn't put me back on level ground. What are you talking about, Jesus? 
Now we know that because he, he turns to Jesus and says, you know. What, what about that guy? And then Jesus, the way that he responds is, is great. He says, uh, if, uh, if Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You know, he's kind of saying like, well, Peter, I'm, I'm not talking about John, you doofus. I'm, I'm, what, what, why do you even care about that? Don't compare yourself. You just then got in trouble for comparing yourself to others and saying that you love me above everyone else, but you didn't. Well, you're doing it again. <clears throat> but what about him, Lord? As for you, follow me. So he re repeats again what he said to Peter at the end. As for you, follow me. So keep coming, no matter what. <clears throat> so I love the way that, that Peter responds to that. Uh, you know, it, it's, when, when someone speaks a prophecy to us, it typically reveals the truest thing about who we are. And that truest thing is perhaps the most important reason why we were given that prophecy. Uh, in Peter's case, it revealed that there was still a place of him that was somehow comparing himself to others. You know, that he wasn't fully believing that he was on solid ground yet with the Lord. And in the preceding context, I would have great confidence to say that Peter still didn't believe that he was on solid ground with the Lord. He, he couldn't even say, I, I love you with unconditional adoption love. He had to say, I love you with filial love. And so Peter's heart was revealed of that. And, and, and Peter, or Jesus knew that, and so he gave him that word to encourage him to keep going in that time when that happens. Because Peter's makeup, his, his constitution, all those things make it hard for him to, you know, to surrender and, and yield. And Peter's, he's a guy's guy. He's going to punch him guy in the face and try to grab hold of him. And he's going he's to chop off your ear, right? And so Jesus was saying, hey, listen, like, you know, surrender when that happens. And be okay and prepared for that happening. Oftentimes, whenever there's a prophecy, it reveals those areas where we're not yet like God. And that's the purpose of the prophecy. You know, it's to call us back to Christ's likeness. It's to call us greater up into intimacy with Him. It's to build us up into the very image of Jesus. And so when prophecy is revealed and we're scared, for instance, that's important to know about ourselves. So when we have a word like last week, and it's talking about the, the shaking of a nation and institutions falling away and churches falling away. That can be a scary thing. And for you, that's probably the point of the prophecy, is to figure out what it is that makes you afraid. Because in love, there is no fear. And so if that is making you afraid, then begin to talk to the Lord about that. Where is your security? Is your security in these institutions? Is your security in this life? You know, is, is your security in, in, in your, your parents or your spouse or your friends or your kids? There's a scripture passage from 1 Kings chapter 17 where Elijah is uh, sharing his life, uh, you know, and he's, he's told to go and, and meet with this woman who's outside of Israel. And, you know, he helps her to have uh, bread and, and, and oil through this miraculous, uh, you know, word that he gives to her. And then her son dies. And when her son dies, she comes to Elijah and says, hey, are you staying with me just so that you can know my sin so that my son will die? And then Elijah turns to the Lord, lays down three times on the boy and says, God, you know, would you not raise this boy up? And the boy is raised up. 
And then the woman says, now I know that you're a true prophet and whose words will not fail. And I'm paraphrasing the point of it, but what she was saying is that now I know that you're a true prophet and whose words come from the Lord. Before, when he had done the miracles of multiplying the, the bread and the, the wheat and the water and the oil, whatever that was, um, she didn't say that. Because that wasn't really what her security was in. In that culture, if you didn't, and she was a widow, if you didn't have a, a son, then you were going to be abandoned in culture. And so her security was in the boy. And the, the multitude, the, the multiplication of food didn't matter to her. And so it was when he performed the miracle about the raising of the boy, that's when, she, that's when it got to her heart. That's what was revealed, like all along her security was in that boy and not in the Lord. So he was setting up, the Lord was setting her up to have that revealed. It's just like the woman at the well. If you're going to you know that from John chapter 4, where there was this woman that had five husbands, and she's living with another man, and she's at the well because that was the place of shame at 12 o'clock. So at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, if you went to the well, it was because you were, you know, outcast of culture and outcast of society. And so she's there essentially by herself. And then Jesus shows up at that time. And then you can have a conversation. And he points out to her that, you know, you are a woman who is living with five, had five husbands and the man you're living with now is not your husband. And she realizes that he's a prophet. And so in that place, the thing that was most important to her, the thing that she'd been longing for the most from a prophet was revealed. She asks the prophet who can tell her anything, tell me where to worship. In her heart all along was never to be this adulterous woman living off of other guys. She wanted to know all along where can I find a source of life? And it was through worship. And she didn't know which mountain, she didn't know where to worship God, so she was trying to worship through man. And it wasn't satisfying her. And so then Jesus says, hey, I will tell you the truth. Those who are worshipers of God will worship in spirit and in truth. The day has come. Like all who seek after me, springs of living water will flow out of you. Because the true source of life have been established in Jesus and not in man. And so therefore she dropped the old empty vessel that she had been carrying. And now she had a brand new wineskin of Jesus. And so when prophecy is revealed, we have to process through the things that make us afraid or anxious. And begin to ask the Lord, where is my security? Where is my life coming that it wasn't previously in you. And so as a body, we begin to ask these questions. It requires vulnerability and honesty. We could say to one another, hey, that word kind of make me, kind of upset me. <clears throat> or maybe for some of you, whenever you hear prophecy or I've got a word from you, you instantly think manipulation, control. You think someone's lying to you. And if that's you, I completely understand why. Totally understand why. Church leaders in these last years have been manipulating people with prophecy. Church leaders these past years have blown it big time. And some of them haven't repented. Some of them haven't acknowledged where they've been wrong. And for those of you that have experienced that and have been on the other side of it, I'm so sorry. That should have never happened to me. Those who stand in the place of the Lord and speak the words of the Lord, they are held to a high standard. Because when they speak, it affects your own soul with the word of God. And for a lot of us who are simple-hearted, who are just following Jesus as best we can, we believe on contact. That, that's been me over the years. I, I have believed people just on contact because why would someone lie to me about God? And I've learned that I've had to grow in wisdom through the hurts that I've experienced from people misusing the Lord's name, yeah. either through prophecy or through leadership or through many other times. And again, if that's happened to you, I'm so, so sorry. As a pastor and as a leader of a church, I know what that's like. 
And I know too how susceptible I can be to that as well. And so I'm not saying that I'm perfect, because I, in all ways that I have misused my tongue, I have. I've lied before, I've come out of performance before, I've spoken things out of, uh, out of anger, I've been, spoken things out of anxiety, out of, out of a mask. And so I, I understand why those things happen. And as an imperfect person, I think that's why the scriptures are so clear in the New Testament, when we give prophecy, we are to test it. So we are to value and honor the prophet, and not despise these things, but also not just be willy-nilly about it, and not just go about and hear everything that hooks into our ears. Because not all those things are the Lord. And so, for instance, uh, the big Trump prophecies, right? If you guys have been hanging out with the church and, and you have any kind of, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, influence in uh, the prophetic community, even within evangelicalism, there's a lot of people that in 2020 were prophesying that Trump would be the president. They were doubling down, and there were so many people that were like so thankful. They were, they were, you know. Praising God for the prophecies that were coming about about this, and it created this vortex that was, uh, I mean, as a church leader, just just uh, horrifying to see, and grievous in my own heart, uh, because I was seeing the people of God get caught up in this move for power, you know, move for influence, move for doing something, you know, in the political world as opposed to simply being content in God and recognize the power that raised Jesus from the dead is in us, it's not in politics. And knowing that our honor and our name is not attached to a president or a nation or anything like that. And it grieved my heart to see how easily it was for our entire, you know, for a lot of the Christians within the evangelical fold to, to get caught up into that. And thankfully, the Lord came strongly and said, that is not going to happen. <laughs> Nothing against, you know, people that are Republican or not. I'm just thankful that it showed that the, the heart of so many people had been so easily swayed by, uh, you know, by power, uh, by, you know, by security, false security, false identity, and these kind of things. And so one of the reasons why we can look back on that time and, uh, and look back and have confidence uh, today about assessing prophecy is because it showed so many, of, so many folks in general why we can be deceived. You know, our, our nation, our politics, for instance, provides for us the seemingly strong foundation of security, of peace, of financial blessing, and power and influence, all those kind of things. And it's, it's easy to attach those things to an institution outside of ourselves. And so if you think about processing prophecy and using our own imagination and our attachments, those things can easily get attached to a nation or a president or politics. And so it was showing that so many people's attachments were not in God. And so when we're processing prophecy, we have to be careful that we're not processing out of our own needs, out of our own attachments, out of our own wishful thinking. That's why Jude warns us in his book, be careful of the dreamers. I'm not saying we can't dream with God, but be careful of those who are always telling you about their dreams and saying this is what the Lord is doing in all these different ways. Be careful of those things. Be careful of conspiracies, Isaiah tells us. Be careful of these things because it's easy for us to get caught up in our own head and wishful thinking and desires, wish fulfillment, manifest your destiny, all those kind of things. Declare it out loud. Be careful of these things. God has a plan. It can't be thwarted. Prophecy helps us to just continue on with it. You know, and again, if you, if you don't know your, your destiny and your future, uh, read Romans 8, 28 and following. Your destiny is secure in being conformed to the image of Jesus. That's, that's it. That's, that's good news for us. You know, it's a blanket around us. We, you know, 
And I, I'm one who, who for years prayed, Lord, make my calling clear, make my calling clear. I understand the desire for these things. Uh, and so in submitting ourselves to the Lord and his will for us, we will find that path made clear for us. So we are talking about prophecy. We are making sure that our own desires uh, are exposed before him. And so we'll find things like fear. We'll, we'll find things like our own needs and greeds and lust and all that kind of stuff. Uh, in, in prophecy sometimes. And so we submit ourselves to the Lord. We wait upon him. We ask the Lord, hey, is there any part of my own desires that are being attached to this as I'm receiving it or am I, am I, am I, as I'm giving it? And we ask the Lord to cleanse that and, and make it whole and make it secure. Uh, it, it's like there's this example of, some, of, of a certain person I knew years ago and they had said, hey, this person over here, they're called to be my spouse. And, and then they told a lot of people about it and then uh, certain leaders said, well, you know, that's going to come to pass. And it didn't come to pass. And that, that person was told, well, it's because that other person was disobedient to God. And it's like, whoa, whoa, no. You know, like, you know, and come to find out that the person who had initially, like, prophesied that really wanted to be married. Like, like it was their, their strongest yearning of their own heart, and they were unhappy and grief-sick without a spouse. And so they were prophesying out of their own needs in that case. And that's, that's dangerous. We have to be aware that those things can affect the way that we see God and see our own future and that kind of stuff. And so if there's certain things, if you imagine your life a certain way, you know, it's always great to dream with God and to allow God, hey, this is on my heart, this is beautiful. And then after that time of dreaming, Lord, you just you surrender that to the Lord. Lord, breathe upon all that that's from you. The Lord, in all that I want to be conformed to the image of Jesus. I want to know him intimately. And friends, you're going to have times where the Lord is going to direct you like Peter. Like, like some of us with our house, it has been a bit of a, of a challenge for us in the house. We love it. But there's times, too, where he directs us and we're like, oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, I don't want to do that at all. And you have to recognize that our soul can get in the way of that. You know, if you, if you look back, there's a, uh, a passage, um, I think it's 1 Samuel 18. So forgive me if I don't put the exact uh, verse of it. Where David, he's asking the Lord if he can build a temple. And he had a court prophet named Nathan. So he would be someone like hanging out in the church over here. And, Lord, should I build a temple? And Nathan comes up and says, yeah, do whatever's on your heart, David. Thus says the Lord. And, uh, and then Nathan goes home and the Lord says to Nathan, no, I didn't say that. No, tell David that uh, while it's good that it's in his heart, he's not going to build it, but his son will. And so then Nathan had to go in after an incorrect prophecy and say, David, I'm so sorry. I, I was wrong about that. Yeah, but maybe have, have been like one of his good buddies. And he just wanted to see David fulfill all that was on his heart. And so you understand why those things happen sometimes. Or like it was Agabus, I talked about last week in Acts chapter 17. Or uh, Acts chapter 21, I believe. I'm sorry, I don't know if the address of that one, right? And Agabus tells uh, Peter that the Spirit's telling me that if you go down to Jerusalem, you'll be bound up by the Jews, and, and you're going to be killed. And so, so don't go. Well, I think the first part was, was partly right. You got wrong who was going to bind him up. But the second part was just out of his own compassion and concern for his brother. Don't go and do that. But Peter said, or Paul said, that's my heart. I'm, I'm called to go down to Jerusalem. And so, you know, we can, we can hear the Spirit, but out of our soul or out of our flesh, speak words that are wrong. And so we can understand why that happens. And there's sometimes, and, there's, and this is where I want to give grace to people that were prophesying uh, Trump, and even, and even leaders that have incorrectly said things to you all, that has happened before, uh, sometimes we can be blind to our own inner motivations. Sometimes out of our compassion we can say things or believe that, hey, this could be the best thing for you and totally blow it. Mm-hmm. 
And so be gracious to one another when that happens. Forgive, be healed when that happens. But also, if you've done that, repent. Ask that person to forgive you. If any of us here on staff say anything that's wrong, please let us know too if we're not aware of it. And we want to be sure to be quick to ask for forgiveness, to be quick to, to repent. And that's the kind of body that's going to help steward and cultivate and process prophecy well together. It's going to require you all to have great faith because I want you to prophesy bold things with God. Because it says in Romans, it says, prophesy according to your faith. So I want us to be great faith. I want us to have such a clear direction. I've heard so many stories before of lawyers that go into court cases and they don't know how to present the case best to really perform justice. And the Lord will give them a prophetic word at the last hour and they do that one thing and it wins the case for them. I want to see things like that happen. I want to see our businesses flourish. I want to see us have nimble answers to the construction or the destruction that's happening around us. I want us to be able to go into situations and make it happen. And I want us to have doctors that can go into certain surgeries and know exactly what to do to cure the people because they're hearing prophetically and not knowing what's going to happen. Right? And so that's going to require you all to be willing to, to put yourself out there. Yeah. Willing to prophesy boldly. Willing to make mistakes therefore. And, and to, to be quick to repent. That's all we're asking. Be sincere, hide nothing, and then be quick to repent. Does that, that, that's not asking too much. Trust one another with these things. And then let's discern together in community. It appears in uh, Antioch in Acts chapter 17. Um, that they had a little homes of prophets you know, and teachers, but they would get together and they would learn how to sh- uh, sharpen one another. And so Agabus gave a prophecy there that was correct. There would be this big uh, devastation and earthquake. And so then they discerned what to do, and they sent money down to Jerusalem. So we want to be a community that can hear and then respond well. And there's much more I could say on this, but I'm just going to leave it at that. And I hope that uh, as we continue to work this out together, you all and we all uh, receive healing for it, uh, we receive such an animation of God's voice in us that we are vibrating the, the, the very frequency of God in our community around us. I want us to be those who can see so high and so far around that we're able to offer solutions, like I said before. I want us to be able to comfort one another with prophecy. I want us to be some pure-hearted that we grow into holiness as, that, as these things. And so I put this before you as a community to pray into and ask. Ask the Lord for prophecy. Desire it earnestly. And then we're going to have times and meetings like we've had before for you to stand and give these things. And when you do it, do it boldly. Don't worry about missing it. We'll be gracious with you. We'll tell you if you're wrong. (laughs) All right. Let's pray. (laughs) Father, your, your children are your delight. And when you speak to them, you do so patiently and kindly. When you speak to your children, Lord, you don't seek after your own. You believe all things. You hope all things. You don't count things against us. You're not rude when you speak to us. You're not demanding when you speak to us. But your love when you speak never fails. Father, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, when we are aware of his presence and then aware of his presence and unity together as a body, we don't even need prophecy or knowledge anymore. And Lord, I ask God that you would create within us a community that is uh, so aware of you, Jesus, so intimate with you, Jesus, that uh, we can forget knowledge and prophecy. (laughs) Until then, Lord, let us prophesy boldly. Let us do so in part. Let us do so in community so we can have the mind and the whole together. Father, I love your people. I want them to be able to know where they are on the map. 
I want them to know how to walk forward with confidence. I want them to feel close to you. I want them to know that they can approach you like Jesus did and inquire of you and have their prayers answered. So God, I I ask for these things. I ask for prophecy to increase. I love you, Dad. I thank you for these things, Lord. Amen. So I'm going to ask uh, our elders, so the Allisons and the Youngs uh, and uh, Eddie and Susan, and then also Reed and April, if you guys would want to come forward and kind of spread out um, for the next like 10 or 15 minutes, you guys go and leave and all that stuff. But if you want to receive prayer, let them pray. And I, um, I'm going to put them on the spot a little bit. If you want to ask them for a word from the Lord, I, I know they're not, going to, they're not going to pray out of what they're not hearing. They're going to submit themselves. If they hear nothing, they're going to say, hey, Lord, just bless them with everything, whatever they need. But uh, I do pray that the spirit of prophecy come upon them and that they are able to speak what the Lord is speaking uh, for you. And so if you want to receive that, I, I didn't prepare them, so, uh, so be gracious with them with that. Again, as you come forward and they don't have anything from the Lord, they're not going to say anything that they're hearing from the Lord. That's their call. Um, but if they do, then just be ready for what the Lord wants to give to you in that. And so if you wouldn't mind standing, <clears throat> Father, I release your people now into your presence. Thank you, God, for this day. Holy Spirit, come and fill us boldly always, every day and today, Jesus. Amen. Love you guys.